Take your Bibles to Psalm 19, Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And uh, before we have our Bible reading tonight, just um, uh, wanted to take a second and thank all who have congratulated my wife and I on the uh, birth of our son, Elliot. And um, I know a lot of people that do not have social media have not seen pictures yet. So I asked Pastor to be okay. And uh, so I put a, put a picture up of my son, of course. And uh, if you go to the next slide, uh, here's, my, here's my sweet boy. I just uh, love the love him to death, and uh, of course, um, his name is Elliot Mark, named after my dad, Mark, and uh, Elliot after uh, the missionary couple, Jim and his wife, uh, Elliot, and um, we uh, really love their story. At the end of Jim Elliot's life, as he was to give his life for the cause of Christ uh, to a cannibalistic tribe, the last thing that he said to them was, I love you, and I'm praying for you, the last thing he said. And I want my son to have that testimony of a love so great for people and for Jesus Christ that he'd give his life for them. And uh, what, what an example of Jesus Christ. At the end of his life, he said, I love you and I'm praying for you. At the end of Jesus' life, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What an example. And so thank you so much again. And uh, we love, love this boy to death. It definitely is different having a boy. Um, and uh, for a girl, there's this tender and sweet and compassionate love. And I'm not saying I love one more than the other. But for a boy and a dad, it's like, that's my boy, you know. And, uh, man, we just, we just love both our kids. And Elliot is doing well. E- Evelyn is doing well as well. Um, at first, uh, she was a little hesitant. And uh, she was like, I'm uh, not really sure about this new life that mommy is holding right now. And uh, but now she is willing to go over and take his toys and put it next to him while he's laying down. And, and she tried to, she has a little makeup set and she tried to give him a little hairdo. And, and um, we had to say, it's okay, it's okay. He doesn't have much hair to begin with, so maybe when he gets more hair, you can do it then. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's great though. Take your Bible to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, the Bible says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. I love this verse. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, rejoicing as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are bright, rejoicing heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou of me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving a glimpse of who you are in this one uh, uh, psalm. Thank you for the beauty that we find in it. Thank you so much for the revelation that you give of yourself through creation. Dear God, I, I just I think of all the different distractions we have in life. And uh, Lord, we are definitely pushing you out and push, pushing your majesty out by all different things in life. And God, I pray tonight that you would be central. You'd be the focus. Let your majesty be seen. We love you. In your name, amen. Tonight, I'd like to preach a message entitled, The Majesty of God. The Majesty of God. If you go to the next slide there, uh, I found this quote by Charles Spurgeon to be extremely powerful. He said, there is something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of the divinity. It is a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity. So deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. Consider with me tonight the majesty of our God, the power of our God that, that really took nothing and created everything. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Have you ever tried to create something or make something? I'm not very handy. Pastor Weigel's pretty handy. I'm not pretty handy. Uh, Gary Moore is pretty handy. I'm not very handy. Um, I'm good at tearing things down. I'm very good at that. In fact, if you need something to be torn down, I, I'm the guy to get. I'm like a bull. I'll just run into it and keep running into it. I'll jam whatever I can into it to tear it down. I'm a demolition guy. I'm good at destroying things. In fact, when I try to create things, I destroy them. My wife... Um, a couple of years ago, she had mentioned that she wanted a new coffee table. By the way, she still doesn't have a new coffee table. <laughs> but uh, I tried to create a coffee table for her. And uh, the big thing at the time was taking old, and it still is kind of a big thing, taking old pallets and tearing the pallets off, to, you know, the, the wood pieces off the pallets and, and creating things with pallet wood. So I was like, I'm going to create a pallet wood coffee table. I'm going to stain it. It's going to be beautiful. That was the worst looking thing you've ever seen in your life. It just became something that I put in our, our shed in hopes that someday I'll use it for, I don't know, some kind of firewood or something. I mean, it was awful. I, I really can't create anything. It doesn't turn out very well. But our Savior, our God, created all that we see around us. I think that a work of art certainly speaks for itself, but the work of the universe speaks out for the Lord. The question is, do we speak well of our Creator? The sad thing is that the universe declares His glory. It declares it without a voice. But we, with a voice, do not do as good of a job. The universe has no voice, and yet it screams God's majesty. But we have a voice, and yet we say very little. Tonight, I'd like to see really three aspects of this chapter or this psalm that speak of the majesty of God. Number one, I'd like to see that the universe declares and demonstrates His majesty. It declares and demonstrates His majesty. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth 
forth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. This is what uh, we would really call general revelation. I had a conversation with Pastor about this on, on, on Friday morning. Just, just God revealing himself. This, this is God revealing his existence, who he is, his power, his might, his person. I'd like to see letter A, his existence is demonstrated. His existence is declared. I think of, uh, if you'll take your Bible to Isaiah chapter number 40, I love these verses. They're so powerful talking about God's existence uh, through his creation, through his power, through his majesty. Isaiah 40. I can't come to these these verses and just read them nonchalantly. I I can't come to these verses and just kind of read them uh, like an average book. I've got to come to these verses and realize that this is Jehovah God that we're speaking of. uh, Isaiah 40, verse number 22 says the following. Verse number 22 of Isaiah 40. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. If you'll remember straight, this is actually kind of funny that he uses the word and the term grasshoppers because if you remember at Kadesh Barnea where the, uh, uh, the 12 spies went in, and you know the song, right? Uh, 12 spies went into Canaan land, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Okay, you remember that? That's how I remember 12 spies, okay? But uh, you remember those 10 spies back, and what did they say about the giants in the land? We are as grasshoppers in their sight. And here Isaiah says, oh, uh, you'll remember this, right? Well, God, he sits on the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. I don't think that's coincidental. These people knew scripture. These people knew what was going on. He continues, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in, that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Skip to verse number 25. It says, To whom then will ye liken me? Or shall I be equal? Saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For he is strong in power, not one faileth. Take your Bible to Jeremiah chapter number 10. I'm going to have you turn a lot tonight, but it's worth it. I love reading these verses about how majestic my God is, how powerful my God is. Jeremiah chapter number 10. Jeremiah chapter number 10. I I love when when, uh, God gives a message and, and his people are stuck in idolatry and he basically says, hey, those other gods, what have they done for you lately? Jeremiah chapter number 10, that kind of resounds there. It says in verse number 11, Thus shall ye say unto them, here it is, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He says, listen, hey, those gods that you're worshiping, those idols, those materialistic things, by the way, those will perish someday. Those will fall away. Verse number 12, he that hath made the earth by his power, he hath established the world by his wisdom, and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. This is amazing. That's who our God is. Do you remember Job chapter number 38? You don't have to turn there, but think with me about God having a conversation with Job gets a little bit down in the dumps and, and he starts to, to, to really kind of uh, try to figure out why all these things are going on and he's almost really complaining and, and God 
wakes him up and he says, who do you think you are? Do you know who I am, he says. And he starts going through all the different things. And, and uh, one of the parts of Job 38, I didn't put in my notes, but if, you, if you'll look over it there uh, over the next couple of days, he basically says, hey, I, I, I know the exact measurements of the earth. I know the exact measurements of that universe that I created. And all I had to do was speak into existence and I knew everything about it. That's our God. That's His majesty. The universe, His creation, it declares His existence. But I also really want to take a look at, and this is kind of a sub-point of this, uh, his names really uh, depict his, his existence. His names depict who he is in his existence, his persons. And if you go to the next slide, I have a, a quote for you in the next slide there. It says, God is the incomprehensible one. Consider that with me. He's incomprehensible. Infinitely exalted above all that is temporal, but in his names he descends to all that is finite and becomes like unto man. And what Louis Burkhoff is saying is that in his names he's, he's easier for us to understand, but he's beyond all of those things. When we say that he's perfect, he's beyond perfection. When we say that he's holy, he's beyond holiness. When we say that he is love, he is beyond love. He is the epitome of love. Consider that, that Jesus went to the cross because he loved loved us, and that's incomprehensible even to the level of love that he has for us. His majesty. I want to see a name that kind of declares his majesty in existence. Number one really is, is Elohim. Did you know the root meaning of Elohim? Not to go into the background of the Hebrew language and things like that, but the root meaning is to be smitten with fear. To be smitten with fear. When the Hebrew would say God's name, they were smitten with fear and reverence. Elohim. I think of the name you could put the next up. It bears the idea of a mighty judge or ruler. God is the mighty judge or ruler of the earth. But he's so much more than that. The way that he judges and the way that he rules, it's incomprehensible to us. But what we can comprehend is that he is the ultimate judge and the ultimate ruler. He's Adonai. Go to the next one. It, it says El Shaddai. Now this can conveys that, that God is ruler, God is judge, He is the mighty God. But this, this is more personal. He's a great God of blessing and comfort. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. When we think of how God comforts us. When we think of how God takes care of us, we think of El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And the last one, I, I even kind of really hesitate to put it on the screen because it's the name that the Israelites wouldn't even say or they'd be put to death. Yahweh. Jehovah. Jehovah, the powerful, ultimate name of God. The I Am. Yahweh. His existence is represented in His names. Think about this God who's so majestic. Think about this God who exists beyond time. Think about this God who exists beyond anything that is temporal. That is our God. That is our King. He's ours. He's our El Shaddai. I see God's existence is declared, but I see His engineering. His engineering. If you take your Bible to Psalm 8, I know I'm having to move around. I'm not skilled enough 
like Pastor Weigel to actually put things in order. Pastor does a better job of that than I. I'll get there, Pastor. I'm getting there, man. Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. This is another kind of parallel passage to Psalm 19, verses 3 and 4. It says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. I, I think of that, that statement, the work of thy fingers. Literally meaning that the world is like trinkets to God, little, little models. Can you consider that? The majesty of God to say that the world and all the heavens and all the galaxies and the things that we don't even know about our universe, they're like finger work to God. But the beauty is the next statement. What is man that thou art mindful of him? God, the way I see myself, I'm just a grasshopper. But you gave your life for this grasshopper. What is man that thou art mindful of, and the son of man that thou visitest him? I love Psalm 33, 6. You don't have to turn there, but the Bible says, By the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord. I'm going to repeat that phrase. By the word, word, word of the Lord. Not the work, the word of the Lord. Were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. I'm so glad that our God is a God who exists and he's mighty, and he's powerful, but his engineering shows who he is. Our God is majestic. Number two, I see in this passage that the Bible, his word acknowledges and applies his majesty. His word acknowledges and applies his majesty. Look at verse number seven in our text passage in Psalm 19. Verse number seven says the following, The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. When we think about the Bible, this is his special revelation to us. This is his, his unique way of showing us his plan for us. Yes, we understand from his creation. And yes, the universe uh, especially declares who God is and declares his majesty and it declares his engineering and his workmanship. But it's the Bible that takes that majesty, that perfection incomprehensible uh, uh, God and creator that we have and puts it into practice for us. What do we do with this God now? Uh, what does God do with us now? The Bible says what happens now. Letter A, his word illustrates his perfection and invites the sinner. His word illustrates his perfection and invites the sinner. Let me, uh, let me give you the understanding of this. Uh, uh, take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter number 5. And you'll remember the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's his perfection. That's his glory. That's his holiness. So now that illustrates who he is. But here's where it invites the sinner. Romans 5, 6 through 8. These verses are, are so precious to me. And I want you in this verse to plug your name into any place that you see a, a personal pronoun. So for instance, in, in verse number six, for when Nick was without strength, when I, me, 
was without strength. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So in other words, in due time, Christ died for Nick Pierveseni. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. In other words, you know, you, rarely you'll find someone that's, that's a good guy that someone will say, I'll die for that guy. But yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And again, fill in your name there where us is. God commended his love towards Nicholas Pierveseni. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's inviting the sinner. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? Why? Because we had sinned. We were imperfect. We had a problem. But God is so majestic and so wonderful that he said, listen, I'll take care of the problem and I'll take care of it through my son. I'm going to send him to die. His word illustrates that. And his word invites you to come. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Aren't you so glad that his word invited you? It was February 3rd, 2006 that I heard his word preached and I went down to the altar there at the men's prayer advance in some place in West Virginia. I don't even know. Somewhere, some camp. I don't care where it was. I'm just glad that his word invited me to come. I'm glad that his word invited me to come to him and there was no cost that I had to pay because Jesus paid it all. That's the majesty of my God. His word illustrates his perfection and invites the sinner. But I think also, I think also of the Christian. It invites the Christian to come. Take your Bible to James chapter number one. Sometimes we lose sight of God's perfection, don't we? Sometimes we lose sight of God's majesty. And while you're turning there, I was thinking about all the distractions we have in life, all the things that take us away from who God is. And today I was asking God, God, I, I'd love a way to illustrate this. And, and I mean, there's tons of different ways that you could illustrate this because there's distractions in all our lives. There's all different things that, that pull us away from that majestic God. But uh, one of the ladies in our church brought this news clip to me. And it was a teacher that invited her students to try going for 24 hours without their cell phone. 24 hours. We're just talking about one day. One day and uh, the news recorded basically what they had to say after they went this 20, 24 hours without their cell phone. One girl said, it's like losing a limb. <laughs> it's like losing your source of oxygen, she said. Being stranded on a deserted island. Isolated from the rest of the world. Uh, one of the other uh, people said, I had a mini panic attack. One guy got back and cleaned his room because what else are you supposed to do when you can't waste time on your phone? <laughs> it's unbelievable the distractions we have in life. 
It's unbelievable for Christians what is literally ripping us away from the majesty of our God. And I can tell you, it's, it's, it's almost embarrassing. iPhones have this new thing where they'll show you every um, three or four days your average screen time. It's embarrassing to look at. It just pops up, and it's immediate conviction. It's an immediate repentance. And the next week, you know, it might be 17% lower, but it's, it's still up there. Today I got it, and I looked at the number, and I'm not daring to share it in front of all of you, right? But it was up there. So many hours, so many minutes, a day. A day. The distractions that take us away from God. When's the last time that you said, I'm not going to have any distractions today? I'm putting away. I'm putting away all the distractions. The TV, the computer, the cell phone, I'm turning it off. Yeah, I don't care if anyone can reach, reach me through Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, whatever you use, I don't really care. I'm not getting near it. What if we were to say, I'm not getting near my cell phone, if someone texts me, if it's an emergency, they'll, they'll figure out how to reach me, call 911. Let them use their own cell phone. When's the last time that we did that and did what James had to say and we looked into the perfect law of liberty? James 1.25, and you put it there. I don't know if I have it here, actually. I'm actually serious. All right, James 1.25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. But when's the last time we actually did that? I'm not talking about your morning devotions. I'm not talking about that time in your word where you kind of read a, a small passage and you're just like, okay, what, you know, what do I do? With I'm talking about getting alone with God. I'm talking about standing in awe of Him. I'm talking about looking at His incomprehensible perfection and, and kind of examining yourself and saying, God, where am I? Search me. God, am I closer today than I was yesterday to your Son? God, am I closer today than I was yesterday to your majesty? You know, the very name of God, the very name of God sent Israelites into shock. Sent them into fear and reverence. And we throw it around so flippantly. Oh, God bless you. How many times have you said that without actually thinking about the name of God? For me, a lot. A lot. How many times have you even just said, I'll pray for you without even thinking about the God who you're actually praying to? It invites sinner. But it also invites the Christian to come and take a look. Take a look at your God. Take a look at who he is. Take a look at his perfection. Letter B. His word confounds the wise and enlightens the hearer. Confounds the wise and enlightens the hearer. Take a look at verse, verse number 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converted soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wisest simple. Making even the wisest of men very simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Have you ever had a wow moment? I mean, you just... Light bulb, boom, you know, just went off. It's amazing that um, 
You know, you ever watch uh, on, on YouTube or, or TV, and I just talked about distractions, but oh well. Um, <laughs> you ever watch those things? That they're called like life hacks, where, you know, you've been doing one thing for a long time, but you never realize that you're doing it wrong. Um, the, other, the other day I saw something on, um, something on Instagram that the McDonald's fries, they've always come in that red container with the yellow arch. If you actually look at the container, there's, there's like those dotted lines that go on the back of it. And um, you could actually pull, the, it's actually for pulling the lid down and putting ketchup in that spot so that you don't have to put ketchup somewhere else. So you can pull your fry out and dip the ketchup right there. I was like, what? How have I missed that all my life? I mean, I, th- I thought, uh, at least for one thing, I thought I knew McDonald's. I thought we were buds. We were like this, inseparable for a while. But right now, it's... Man, I, at one time in my life, I knew every single number on the McDonald's menu when I was a teenager. That's sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> but have you ever, ever looked at God's word and said, what? I've been missing it this whole time? How many times have I read that passage? How many times have I looked at that? How many times have I looked at that verse and thought one thing, and now it's like, poof, mind blown. Lately, I've been really looking into my, I guess you could call it theology proper. It's, it's really the details of who God is. His names. His names have been big for me, as I kind of showed you tonight. It's been, it's been big. It's been a great study. But man, I see the names of God and I think, what? How have I missed that? How have I looked over that? How have I just kind of missed that fact? Because his word confounds the wise and enlightens the hearer. When you think you're wise, it'll confound you. When you're ready to listen, it'll enlighten. I love that about his word. The Bible acknowledges and applies his majesty. But last tonight and finally, and you, you guys have done a great job listening, our lives should praise and portray his majesty. Our lives should praise and portray his majesty. Take a look at verse number 14 of our text passage, I'm sorry, in Psalm 19. And you know it, you know it well. It says, let the words of my mouth on the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Now, if we're actually looking at context, the reason why our words should be acceptable is because God is the majestic creator. If you think of it like this, it's, it's I'm in reverence to who, I'm in reverence to God. I revere Him, I fear Him. And so God, let my words be acceptable in thy sight. It's like Isaiah as he knelt down before the holy God and he says, woe is me. That's what he's saying. God, listen, I just want to be acceptable before you. Because you're so powerful. Because you're the God of this universe. Because you're the incomprehensible one, God. So allow my words to be acceptable to you. It's not saying, God, just please let me please you. It's me recognizing a holy God and a selfish sinner. And saying, God, let everything that I am, let everything I do, 
be acceptable to you. Our lives should praise and portray his majesty. Letter A, our mouths and our meditation matter. Our mouths and our meditation matter. Consider this with me. This is why the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter number 4, let's, let's turn there together, Philippians chapter number 4. I'm having you turn a lot tonight. Some of you are like, man, wow, getting a lot of Bible passages in tonight. Philippians chapter number 4. This is why the Apostle Paul says this, and I love this verse. You've heard me quote it. You've heard me utilize it. But I'll keep utilizing it. Because I don't think we really grasp the depths of it. Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 8. Finally, brethren, let's say it together. Here we go. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, now, now that, that word think there, that, that's important. And here's why. Do these things. He's saying, think these things. And you've, you've always heard people say, you know, you are what you eat, right? Well, a Christian is what he thinks about. A Christian is what he contemplates about. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, I want you to filter your thought life through this. And if it's not any of these things, hey, listen, it's not acceptable. And so the psalmist would say, I let my words, uh, the meditation of my heart, the, wor the words of my mouth be acceptable. And I say, the Apostle Paul said, here's what's acceptable. If it doesn't filter through, don't even think about it. Don't, give it, don't just give it two seconds. That's it. Nothing. Nothing. Don't think about it. Why? Because our meditation matters. Do you know your words matter too? You know, God will judge every idle word. Every idle word is going to be put. It's going to be put there. And it, you know, it's the passage in 1 Corinthians. I think it's actually 2 Corinthians. I'm losing my mind tonight, Pastor. That's right. That says, wood, hay, and stubble, right? Okay? That's what's not done for Christ, said for Christ. It'll be burned. Worth nothing. It'll be worth nothing. How many words have we said that'll be worth nothing for eternity? Uh, I'd probably venture to say 90% of my words. 90% of my words. I talk about sports. I talk about, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I talk about fun stuff, funny stuff. I talk about food way more than I should. doesn't matter for eternity. My words matter. My meditation matters. But let it be our dependence and our deliverance are on him. Why should my life praise his majesty? Why should my life portray his majesty? Why should my voice be heard like the voice of creation declaring his glory and his majesty? Why? Because my dependence and deliverance are on him. One last passage tonight. I want you to turn to Psalm 18. And it should be really easy because it's, you know, two psalms or one psalm earlier. Two, yeah, I, I can really count. One psalm earlier. Psalm 18. Verses 1 through 3. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. I would say it's because I'm lacking sleep, but my mother-in-law is up, and she's been really taking care of, like, the night shift, so it's not the sleep. So um, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3, he says, I will love thee. Oh, man, that's great. He starts, I'm going to love thee. I love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock 
and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. I love that word buckler like a shield. There are other uses of the word buckler. There was a, a stronghold tower that was uh, armed with metal pieces all the way down. It was also called a buckler. That's the Lord, our stronghold, our shield, our defender, our deliverer. I'm depending on him because I cannot depend on myself. This is why Jesus Christ, when he taught the disciples how to pray, he says, give us this day our daily bread. Not our weekly, not our yearly, not our monthly, our daily, because every day I need thee. I need thee, Lord, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Why should my life portray and praise him? Because I need him. Because without him, I'm nothing. Because without him, I, I'm just a grasshopper. I'm, I'm a no one. But Jesus came down and he showed me. He showed me that he loved me. And he showed me that I was special to him. So now I depend on him. When's the last time you really considered God's majesty? When's the last time you put your words and your heart and your meditation up against his majesty? When's the last time you examined the distractions in your life and you said, God, are these keeping me away from you? Am I not getting a glimpse of you because I'm taking too much of a look at other things? When's the last time you tried to comprehend his person and his character? It's life-changing. It's life-altering. And I'm not just talking for an unsaved person. I'm talking about for a Christian. It's life-altering. Tonight, you've got a perfect time. A perfect time. We're going to sing I Surrender All in a minute or two. But what if we imagine ourselves like Isaiah, seeing the Lord high and lifted up in his majesty, and in that place, not just here at church, not just in the house, but in the presence of his majesty saying, I surrender all, Lord. I surrender all. Let's have a word of prayer. God, help us to picture your majesty. Picture who you are. Help us to get a glimpse of that character that created the universe. Help us uh, grab a hold of that reverence that the Israelites had when, Lord, they were afraid to even say your name. Lord, help us to revere you, to love you, to call on you, to depend on you. Lord, I pray as, as we close tonight and as we go into our time of invitation, if there is something we haven't surrendered to you, God, let it be yours. You are our majesty. You are our ruler, our judge. God, we give you our lives. Bless this invitation. In your name we pray. Amen.